New York City for Valentine's Day. What? Andy Reid from Baltimore wants to meet us at the top of the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. We still have a hit record. Yeah, you do. One hit wonders. It's a very common tale. I'd like to work for you. Well, that's very interesting. And in return, I'd like you to turn a blind eye to what I have to do. And what is that? Kill the man who murdered my family. The uh, medicine is for goat. Goat? Yes, yes. <laughs> medicine is, is for goat. Yeah, goat. This is the Movie Hall of Fame. It's Thanksgiving once again for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. There he is across the table from me, breaking bread once again on this Thanksgiving, a sacred occasion Yes, um, that needs to be preserved and protected as long as we have this podcast. It's Adam Hall. Hello. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I was thinking about this uh, earlier today, and I was like, you know, last year, and I know this is the biggest cliche ever, but like it really d- did fly by, because uh, honestly, honestly, I really, <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. I really- For real this time. <laughs> no, but I really do feel like we just did this podcast. It's insane what's happening to our perception of time. I'm not kidding. Like, I thought like we did this, this wasn't that long ago. It's actually scaring me. Yeah. Like, my mind is losing control, and I am not into it. Like, we just, I feel like we, I just saw Cloud Atlas just the other day. And I, I know. Was like, oh, okay, well, that's that. Uh, no, it came by so fucking quick. It did. Uh, Thanksgiving 2022, it's our annual tradition now where we talk Tom Hanks movies. Mm-hmm. Just five Tom Hanks movies. And that's it. Casual, good, yeah. sweet, comfort. Just chat about them this holiday season. Uh, hopefully you're... Ignoring your family right now, not engaging in the political discourse <laughs> happening at the dinner table and uh, popping in a podcast. Are you telling me that in gen- generally speaking with your your family, they get, they get into various political arguments of such? Um, that doesn't really happen at my table. It gets rough. Wow. Not politically, really, but just there are some third rail issues that some people touch that others at the table would prefer they not. Is it football related? Uh, no. Last year, well, I should even tell the story. I'll tell it. Last year, my my uh, grandfather uh, brought up uh, the, the topic of Viagra, and it was discussed openly at the table. And uh, some people were really into it, like myself. I was having a, a fun time. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> were you interested? It was like, tell me a little more. I need to take you up on this offer. <laughs> Listen, I'm looking for any spice at any family function. I love, I love arguments. I love uncomfortable conversations. I love gossip. I just, just trying to. I'm the straw that stirs the drink. You know what well, I mean? Well, see, I imagine that the the the. the uh, uh, 
the, the night going quite boring for you and you're kind of like dozing off and somewhat dead inside. And then the second the word Viagra is mentioned, you pop up like a missile or <laughs> <and> just <laughs> or like a penis. That's just a or that. Viagra. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that Nico, the subtlety here, a missile is clearly <laughs> supposed to be phallic. Right. Come on. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kevin Bacon will tell you all about it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I uh, so, you know, I'm egging him on and, you know. Others at the table of a more puritanical persuasion. We're not really enjoying. The, this is just the things that happened at, at, at the Di Gregorio Thanksgiving table, you know? So Can't control it. Yeah. So if uh, you are caught in a similar situation and you'd want to step away, may I suggest that you watch some of the films uh, starring Hollywood's dad, Tom Hanks, and then come on uh, to this podcast feed and hear us talk about them. That's not bad. Yeah. I would say... Most of these movies go down pretty smooth. Wouldn't you say so? Uh, I would say for me, for me personally, all of them go down pretty smooth. They're just, they're not, I mean, some are a little, obviously a more like, um, I guess, easygoing watches. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular that's much darker than the rest. Sure. But still a good movie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. They go down pretty smooth. He's mm-hmm. a crowd pleaser, this Hanks. He is. Also a pretty good actor. Pretty good actor. Um, lately, I don't know, but... Okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about. We're doing five movies. They span from the year 1993 to 2004. Okay, the five movies are Sleepless in Seattle, Apollo 13, That Thing You Do, Road to Perdition, and The Terminal. May I suggest to you that that time frame from 93 to 2004 represents peak Hanks. Probably does. Because it, it also represents, uh, you know, the... I believe the Philadelphia is in the Forrest Gumps. Yes. But we uh, covered those in the last show. So let, let me go through the IMDb real quick. Um, you know, he's doing, uh, uh, you know, TV work. He's doing Bosom Buddies and a bunch of like uh, minor 80s comedies. I think in this time frame also works on Band of Brothers. Uh, yes. Because we're also because we're also talking about uh, directorial work here, too. In right. This case. And I believe Band, does Band of Brothers come out in that time? I think it does. Oh, you might be right. Let me look that up real quick. Um, Band of Brothers is going to be... Well, the, the Pacific is late 2000s. Yes. Um, Band of Brothers is... Yeah, 2001. There you go. Ah, there we go. Sure. Directs the best episode of Band of Brothers, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I think also a pretty good director, that Hank. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk. Um, so... He, you know, he he's sort of bumbling around in you know minor studio comedies for a while, and then he does Big, and he gets an Oscar nomination for Big, and he's like one of the hot names working in Hollywood. But I would argue doesn't really lock in to like powerhouse movie star mode until around ninety two to ninety three. Yep. He does a Punchline in eighty eight along with Big. He does The Burbs in eighty nine. <laughs> which is kind of a cult classic, but also kind of a misfire. Uh, Turner and Hooch in 89, Joe versus the Volcano in 1990, and Bonfire of the Vanities also in 1990. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities? Uh Yes. That's not good. And then a couple um, small uncredited roles in Tales from the Crypt and Radio. Then 92, he does League of Their Own, which is, I think... That's got to be the first. Yeah, it, it's the first role where it's like, oh, this guy's not just playing himself. He is actually being actively cast against type, right? And doing well. And he's awesome in it. He does this a couple times on this list, and I would say does well in pretty much all of them. Yeah. 
So he does that in 92. And then Sleepless in Seattle is 93. And he becomes, you know, America's preeminent romantic lead. Yep. Right. Uh, and uh, then he doesn't miss. And I mean, he really doesn't miss. Philadelphia in 93 wins an Oscar. Forrest Gump in 94 wins an Oscar. 95, Apollo 13, we're going to talk about it. 95, Toy Story changes movies forever. 96, That Thing You Do didn't make money at the box office. I would argue it should have, though, because it's a very good movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saving Private Ryan in 98 should have (laughs) won Best Picture. You've Got Mail 98 makes a shit ton of money. Another Nora Ephron thing. Uh, Toy Story 2, great. Green Mile, 99, great. Wow. Castaway, 2000, great. Also, he's great in it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Road to Perdition, 2002. We're going to talk about it. Catch Me If You Can, 2002. Wow. I mean, just can't miss. No. Just batting a thousand. <laughs> yeah. No, holy shit. Some of, many of which I would say are home runs. <laughs> and then 2004, this is when it falls off. You got the Lady Killers in the Terminal. And that's when things start getting dicey. Polar Express in 04. Ah, uh, those those Zemeckis films, yeah. the Da Vinci Code movies. I like Charlie Wilson's War, but I wouldn't call it a home run. Uh, you know, still does, you know, producing work on the Pacific. Toy Story Three, <clears throat> Larry Crown, his only other directorial effort, extremely loud and incredibly close. Cloud Atlas. So I think this is the pocket right here where yeah. he's at the peak of his powers. I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. This is the, this is like I don't know. I always I always say this though like whatever if they don't necessarily like you know stick the landing at the ending of their career because this is like a legendary run yeah right here really is it's probably the best might be it's for an prob- actor yeah oh boy yeah maybe it's maybe. probably the best I mean I guess Daniel Day Lewis or whatever but I mean at least that motherfucker did nine you know yeah that's true yeah Daniel Day Lewis I hate to say it, in a way it's I kind of shrug it off. <laughs> right. It's kind of like Michael it's, Jordan leaving the NBA for two years yeah. to play baseball. It's like, well, you don't get credit for that. No. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's going to tarnish your legacy. If you don't act for five years and then come back when yeah. only the best material is presented to you. I guess he's not. Is he acting anymore anyway? Um, No, I think he retired after Phantom Threat. Interesting. Okay. Right. Fine. Yeah, I just don't. It's like, you know, Floyd Mayweather waits to fight the, you know. The, the best fighters and when they're 45. It's like, you don't get credit for those wins. No, Hanks is Muhammad Ali. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking take your punches, yeah. you know? Do a, the circle every now and again. You know? Take your lumps. I mean, even though, like, we could... <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on his performance in Elf. It's still, like, a big movie for him. Yeah. I would say. Still, I mean, that's a now now become a very, I would say, popular movie of this, of this year. So, you know, cool. You want to know something, though? I, I would say there's a... <clears throat> There's a, uh, I think, considerable drop off in the late 2000s, but then you get back to Cloud Atlas, which I love and you have mixed feelings about. Yeah. Captain Phillips in 2013. Yeah. Amazing. Very good movie. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks, which is kind of an underwhelming movie, but he's good in it. The Bridge. Yeah. Bridge of Spies in 2015. Awesome movie. Uh, Sully in 2016. The Post. uh, Finch. Yeah. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Good. I mean, I don't know. He's he's doing better work now. I feel like than he was doing <laughs> in in uh, Larry Crown era. I would. Oh yeah, no. There's a bit of a lull there. So yeah. I I have to admit though, he's doing. A, he's he's kind of resorting back to those uh, the sort of lesser fares because he's got a few movies coming out that just look bad. Like they don't just look underwhelming. They look quite bad. Well, he had two so. stinkers. That they, yeah. This is probably <clears throat> the worst year of his career. Yeah. With Elvis and Pinocchio. I saw both. 
Yeah. Right. I don't, I, by comparison to, I mean, I have a lot of issues with Elvis, but it's, it's watchable. Um, but Pinocchio was just, I mean, I, I guess I can't blame him that much because it's another Zemeckis film. Why wouldn't he want to make a film with his buddy? But right. Oh my God, that movie. Yeah. A uh, guy makes good choices. He's a good actor. Uh, but let's talk about his movies now, shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay. What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I'm going to get out of bed every morning. Breathe in and out all, all day long. And then after a while, I won't have to remind myself to get out of bed in, in the morning and breathe in and out. And, and then after a while, I, I won't have to think about how I had it great and perfect for a while. Sam, tell me what was so special about your wife. Well, how long is your program? Sleepless in Seattle, 1993. This movie is written and directed by Nora Ephron. Stars, of course, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Never Hotter, <laughs> Ross Mellinger, and Rosie O'Donnell, who I would say is actually quite good in this. Yes, I would too. Nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Best Original Song at the Academy Awards. A wink and a smile, the nominee there. A recently widowed man. A recently widowed man's son <laughs> calls a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. Uh, as we said, this movie cost $21 million to make, made $227 million. Uh, these movies all made a trillion dollars, yeah. and this guy was probably most of the reason why. Yep. <laughs> that and Meg Ryan in this case. But yes. Yeah, of course. Who was just doing her When Harry Met Sally thing with a Nora Ephron script and crushing it as a... I don't know, unambiguously stalker. She is a stalker in this movie. Yeah, she's a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, not not a great human being. No, well, I don't know. Just weird. Just yeah, well, weird. Yeah, something's off. I, I agree with that. Um, that's fine. It's cute, as most Meg Ryan performances are. Uh, even down to her freaking toothpaste commercials, for mm. God's sakes. She's great in those, but she's playing the same character. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny. These movies are so funny to me. I don't ever, ever have much to comment on. I really don't have that much to say about Sleepless in Seattle, other than the fact that it's a pretty, you know, effectively fun, cute, romantic comedy that uh, when I was younger, I used to confuse for uh, when Harry met Sally all the fucking time. Right. <laughs> I used to interchange these so often where it's like because I, I, we had both VHSs. And for some reason, like they would always be on in my house and I would just pop one on and I, w- I would not be able to, dis- to distinguish the two. I don't know why, mm. because now I look at them and <laughs> they are clearly very different movies. They are, but th- they also kind of have a similar arc. And yeah, Meg Ryan is playing a very similar character, I would say, in both. There's, I think thematically they're kind of different, but I think the posters are somewhat similar too. certainly. Yeah. So that doesn't help. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the it's. They're they're of a piece for me. Like I I can't. It's weirdly I can't think about Sleepless in Seattle without thinking about When Harry Met Sally. Right, they're sister films. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched this one. hadn't seen it in a while. Probably should have rewatched it too. Um, just kind of remarkable that they spend no time together in the movie. Yes, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. So the proposition here essentially is, uh, what if it was a rom com except the leads only met in the last 30 seconds of the movie. Yep. And they kind of just fell in love at first sight. I mean, there's that one scene where they're, where they meet on like the highway or whatever. But Mm -hmm. other than that, no, they really don't communicate with each other. 
And uh, it's amazing to me. Like, you watch something like that and you compare it to, I don't know, a movie like Friends with Benefits mm. or one of the modern Netflix rom coms. True. And it's got so much more chemistry in it. And they're never on screen together. I mean, Tom Hanks doesn't even pay Meg Ryan much attention in this movie. It's no, just like this really. thing that's happening in another city that we're aware of and the son is aware of. But <laughs> it's not like he's you know thinking about the letters that she's writing to him. Um, and it's not like they're sort of... It's not like um, to reference another Nora Ephron, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan vehicle. It's not like a You've Got Mail situation or a Shop Around the Corner situation where... They know each other. They just don't know that they're falling in love. They're literally on two parallel tracks that intersect at the last second. Um, you know, kind of like a crimes and misdemeanor situation, yeah. except rom-com. Yet it is uh, so effective as a rom-com. And this is really the main question I wanted to ask you. Uh, what happened to all the rom-coms, Adam? What's the deal? Why can't we do this anymore? It's so fucking easy. Is it easy? I don't know. That's yeah. a hard thing to pull off what you just described. Yeah. And if you pitched it to anyone, they'd probably say it's a bad idea. Yeah. I agree with you, though. Somehow, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a combination of the youthful uh, uh, Nora Ephron writing at this point in time, or if it's just these particular... Nora Ephron? Did yes. I get that right? Yeah, okay. Sure did. Um, and just like the, the, the... Again, also the chemistry of these two actors at the sort of the peak of their powers as well. I don't know. Obviously, because you know, it's one of those movies I think about a lot where I, I, I say, you know, who... Who plays these these parts and does it work as well if they're not in it? And no, definitely not. Uh, I, I these are kind of lightning in a bottle movies, though. I don't think they work as well on the second go. Do uh, you think so? I'm, no, I don't. Because she made like five of them. Yeah, they're not. That, and Nancy Myers made like five of them. Yeah, and, but they're nowhere near as good. Like you've got male. Still good though. It's I mean, when Harry Met Sally's great. I mean, Harry Met Sally's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, broadcast news is great. I mean, there's plenty of rom-coms of this era that okay. just that that center around a very like simple, high concept premise and and movie stars, right? Like, well, that's a kind of I guess p- part of what I, what I'm saying. Nowadays, I think maybe it's the fall of the movie star, right? Is the thing you need you need a very distinct voice to 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 sell a lot of this because this is some really sappy, cheesy shit, and anyone who writes it nowadays doesn't get that or take it as sincerely as she might so that's another problem uh so yeah the the chemistry of elements between like a really really smart writer that knows her voice quite well and actors that know her voice quite well and are also at the peak of their powers i guess that's what i'm saying is that it's kind of a perfect storm in a time and place which is why like it's hard for me to imagine something like this coming out now and actually working uh because i've seen them try it and it's just boring and it doesn't have the same I don't know. It doesn't have the same charm. It doesn't have the same kind of fun. I don't relate to it very much. I don't know why, but you know that's that's what's happening. And I think yeah, part of that is the fact that movie stars suck now. That's a good point. Yeah. Like I couldn't tell you who stars in Set It Up. You know, I couldn't tell you who stars in The Kissing Booth. And I guess that's that's what we got now in terms of modern romantic comedy. We were talking about this actually just the oh, other man. day and why is this a thing? Yeah. Like what was the last great rom-com? And like maybe it's Silver Linings Playbook. Maybe it's Crazy Stupid Love. Maybe it's, I don't know. Crazy Stupid Love isn't even quite, in, or, or not cra- Crazy Stupid Love I would say is the closest to the vein of this because like, I would say Silver Linings Playbook is almost the whole thing. It's altogether. more of a drama. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Right. It's more of like a, a father-son character. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably smart. There's no uh, there's no movie stars, so therefore there are no uh, romantic comedies that work. Because yeah, I mean these movies are 
purely about persona and charisma and connections mm. between human beings. Yep. And um, I mean, not to fucking pile on to this whole discourse. Did you see what Tarantino said about uh, Chris Evans today? No. Or the other day, I'm not sure when it actually was, but <laughs> the, the, the story kind of gained traction today. No, he was like, yeah, I mean, there's just Chris. Chris Evans is not a movie star. Captain America is the star, right? and just that that whole line of thinking, which I happen to agree with. But um, uh, Simu Liu is that his name that that was in uh, yes in uh, uh, Shang Chi. Yes, yeah, he fired back on Twitter and he was like, uh, Scorsese and Tarantino cannot raise their nose at us because if. They were in charge of movies. I would never be a movie star. And it's like, dude, fucking. You're not really a movie star, though. <laughs> I like Simu Liu, but he's not a movie star. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to center a movie that is purely based on personality on actors with no personality. That's what's happening nowadays, though. It's very, there are movie stars, but for some reason, like, they're not in, in the same bright light as Chris Evans is for some reason. I don't know. Right. Like Margot Robbie to me is a movie star. Yes. I'd say Timothy Chalamet at this point is his own movie star. Mm-hmm. Un- unconventional one, but certainly that. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Pitt, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but over 50. Yes, I know. Right? I know. I mean, Clooney and Julia Roberts just did a rom-com basically like a month ago. Yeah, no, one, no one, one gives a no shit. No one like, gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. The young, the young, the youngins. Yeah. Not, not much going on there and also like iconography is a hard thing to pin down nowadays like at least sleep with in seattle is pretty iconic right you 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 everyone knows the empire state building they will <laughs> even nowadays it's I a low-key really good new york movie it is really it's, it's barely movie. in new york only like the last 10 yeah. minutes but like yeah. the music that she uses and uh mm-hmm. um just yeah the the whole i think they're at the top of 30 rock her and bill pullman when they break up before they see uh the heart on the empire state building um yeah it, it's it it this movie has like a real good sense of atmosphere in every city that it takes place in i agree you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know i don't it's 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 part of the texture of the movie I my mean, movies at this time always kind of had that you know nice sense of place i don't know where we lost that i was gonna say this too like it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation oh. but is the time period to blame like this it was there something inherently more romantic about the 90s <laughs> and I, I i bet you they were not saying that then i bet you like they didn't find answering machines and uh, late night radio broadcasts romantic but there's something about the technology that works in this one where like you know the idea of meg ryan just listening to a a radio broadcast and falling in love with someone that she's never met there's something more like romantic than DMing someone on Instagram and falling in love with them that way. I don't know. I mean... I wonder if there was just enough distance. I was just about to say this. Is it the proximity? Because I think nowadays when everyone is... Like, I'm close to just about everybody in the world, technically. Right. (laughs) And that's kind of a problem to me. Like, none of the characters need to work at it as as they used to in the 90s. Maybe that's a big part of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, part of it, like, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, that idea that when you pull these attracting forces apart mm. more energy kind of gets created you know it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. In, in the matrix the latest matrix movie like it's the idea of like neo and trinity or whatever like mm. their proximity is what powers the <laughs> alien planet <laughs> yes and i think in these movies right like you need a little bit of resistance like you need a barrier keeping these two people apart so when they ultimately come together it's there's a effective. yeah there's a sense of catharsis and uh you can't really do that 
with the constraints of modern technology. But you can do that here where, you know, this is a movie literally that takes place on opposite coasts with uh, one way communication. Well, that's the thing. The whole a lot of the movie is about them like trying to connect. Right. Right. And nowadays it's incredibly easy. And back then, like that's part of the drama that's built in. Like these two forces, they they have to collide and, and create this beautiful spark, but they can't quite do that. And the whole movie is about them kind of reaching that point. And yeah, it's just not something you can create effectively anymore. <laughs> so that's a little upsetting. So yeah, maybe maybe it is the 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 time period. I don't know. It could be. So yeah. Uh, watching it too, like I, it struck me how meta this movie was. It is constantly talking about old romantic comedies. Um, there's a there's a very famous scene where uh, it's Tom Hanks and I forget who plays Rita Wilson's br- uh, husband in this, but Rita Wilson is Tom Hanks's sister and this would be his brother-in-law and they're talking about how romantic comedies make women cry and Rita Wilson is is uh, uh, reciting the plot of I think it's an affair to remember and uh, Hanks starts reciting the uh, plot to the Dirty Dozen and starts <laughs> sobbing just explaining and he goes actor by actor <laughs> you know all the uh, characters in the Dirty Dozen um, but it's a movie that is in conversation with movie history and you know Rosie O'Donnell at at several points as Meg Ryan's best friend is pointing out that this is crazy what's (laughs) happening here and it is like a rom-com crazy but also uh, it makes sense it's one of those things it's like it shouldn't make sense but it does on a sort of primal level yeah Um, so it's a you know, it's a really smart script in that way, too. And it, it kind of gave me like scream vibes almost. Oh, <laughs> it's a weird comparison to make. But similar, though, to, to the screen, to specifically the first scream, though, I do think this is a movie where it's like the meta elements feel very naturally integrated, where it's like like meta elements now, like take you out of the movie. And I don't really feel like I'm taken out of the movie that much in something like Sleepless or in Seattle or something like Scream. You know, I guess you right. could. But like, I, it, I'm not taken out of the movie in you know, the first scream as much as I am like scream four, for example. You right. Know? So it's, it, I don't know something about like the carefulness with, with handling meta, uh, subtext is, was a little bit better in the nineties. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. What's the Hank score here? Give, give, give Tommy a grade for his performance in this. Oh, movie. Oh, he's, he's, he's delightful in this. I give him like, a. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's very admirable what he does. I don't think it's just a B. I think it's maybe an A minus. I give him a solid A. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Solid A. I think he's great in this. Yeah. I think he's really good. The chemistry with the kid is fantastic. That's oh, that's the best thing about the movie. Hard to nail chemistry with children. True. Most of the time I find it quite irritating when there's a old withered actor with a child. And no. He's not necessarily withered here, but uh, they nail it here. He's great with kids. Hank's good at working Always. with kids. Yeah. You yeah. know? Excellent chemistry. Um, love when he's just like melting down, yelling at his son, being like, I'm... I'm not in love with this woman. I'm just dating her. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything about her either, but I'm trying to find out. Uh, and like talking about all the women that he slept with in college. He's he's delightful. He's awesome. Tommy. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call him like a traditional romantic lead either. Like it's not no, like he's a, no. you know, smoke show, chisel jawline, handsome movie star guy. Yeah. But he's a movie star that feels attainable. And that's part of the appeal of the guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Jimmy Stewart um, yeah. rom-coms. Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs handed us this one, and we gotta come through. We gotta find a way to make this 
fit into the hole for this, using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's build a filter. Nineteen ninety-five. The movie's called Apollo Thirteen. It's directed by Ron Howard. Stars Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Gary Sinise, and Ed Harris. Winner of Best Sound and Best Film Editing at the Academy Awards. Was also nominated for Picture, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Adapted Screenplay, Art Direction, Visual Effects, and Original Score. Was a uh, powerhouse at the 95 Oscar. NASA must devise a strategy to return Apollo 13 to Earth safely after the spacecraft undergoes massive internal damage, putting the lives of the three astronauts on board in Jeopardy cost $52 million to make made three fifty-five. Holy shit. Just the executives are rolling in the dough because of old Hanks. Good God. Okay, cool. Cool. Apollo 13. We've talked about Apollo 13 a lot in the past, but we never nominated we, we, it. We keep circling it, and it bothers me because it's my favorite movie on the list. <laughs> Apollo 13. I love Apollo 13. Last time I watched it. Must have been over a decade ago. I was going to say, this seems like a movie you saw when you were 10 and you thought it was boring as fuck. I'm such a punk. And you're like, fuck this movie. I'm such a punk. I remember you talking about this around the time where we started potting and you talked shit about it. I'm like, what are you doing? What? And I was, I was like confused. I'm like, it's such a you movie too. Like the script's really good and it's like thrilling. It's sort of an anxiety film. There's those great sequences where they have to solve a problem. They don't quite know how to do it, but God damn it, they're going to do it. Uh, they dump all the items onto the, the, best, on the table. Yes. It's like the best scene of the movie. It's we pick- have to build this with all the stuff they have up there. Using nothing but that. Using nothing but that. All right. Let's build a filter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gentlemen, you better learn to put a square peg in a round hole. It's just so good. Ed Harris is fantastic in this movie. Everyone's fantastic in this movie. Uh, yeah, and it's just thrilling and nail biting and some, some of the some of the great like stress stressful scenes in a movie. I love it, man. I absolutely adore the movie. I'm such a punk. I was such a punk. I'm still kind of a punk. But when I was like 14, my God, was I insufferable. What the hell was your taste? Man, I just <laughs> did not have time for the Ron Howards of the world, the Clint Eastwoods of the world, the slow, steady hands behind the camera, just doing an effective job and getting done by lunch, you know? Was it the same time you said uh, Lethal Weapon was boring? It probably was around that time. I uh, just, you know, I was, oh, I was really into Tarantino. I was really into Scorsese, just ripping up the rule book and putting the pieces back together in real time, you know, just experimenting with camera moves and blood all over the place. And, (laughs) you know, like I was just, uh, I was a little punk, you know, natural born killers. I thought was high art. That's what was happening with me when I was like 14 or 15 and movies like this, which my dad loved and watched all the time. I (laughs) I just didn't have the time for it. I'm like, God, it's like, cause here was part of it too. I remember watching it and thinking, the shit in space is boring as hell. Like all of the the stuff takes place on Earth, you know, in rooms in front of chalkboards yelling at each other, right? And I I remember having that thought watching it. Like, why are we not in space more? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, for years I kind of uh, I I cast this movie in a in a negative light, and I rewatched it today as I was doing research for oh this my podcast. God. Because I thought I had a pretty like firm grasp on it. I, I'd seen bits and pieces on it, uh, you know, on cable over the years. So I thought like I, I pretty much knew where I stood with Apollo 13. And I had it on in the background as, as I was doing research and uh, uh, not much research got done. 
because I was enthralled. Because it's so entertaining. It's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, I told you. So <laughs> <laughs> I was right. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing what 10 years does to a guy, man. But I I have totally become the guy that I always hated. <laughs> like, I have, I've become the guy that loves dad movies, you know? Well, it doesn't, it's, it's okay. It, yeah. You know, there's, there's, okay, because there are some entries where I'm like, like, like you know, you look at like the, 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 the green books of the world. Which feels like a dad movie now. It's yeah. like, give me a break. Right. But God, they're not as Feel the dreams? Hell yeah. You know? <laughs> like But no, but this this is one of those great examples of like it once you start it, you can't stop watching it. It's so like like snappy and frenetic and fun, and everyone is like at the top of their game. Yep. There's not a single character I I dislike being with in this movie. And they're not even doing anything that's like that big or showy. They're just charming. Mm. Every human being in this movie is just charming and lovable. And I feel so bad for them when they're stuck in a tight situation mm. and all. And I know that like these guys I love, my friends, they're, they're, they have this much time to get out of this predicament. And can they do it? And that's just the whole movie. It's like it's just the, it's just classic movie star blockbuster goodness. It's like right. Top Gun. It's great. Right. In that way. Yeah. It, but it yeah. it's not like overly schmaltzy either and doesn't no. like force uh, like villains or, or like heroes into villain roles. Because there are you know, characters in this movie that I would see played up in a much more like villainous manner today, particularly the health inspector guy. Yes. And there are opportunities for that, yeah. right? Like, uh, Kevin Bacon is sort of portrayed as a playboy hothead. Like an idiot. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, and like you think for the first like half hour, Oh, like he's going to really fuck shit up in outer space for mm-hmm. everyone. And it's going to cost somebody their life. And, and I mean, in a way, I mean, he kind of does, does, but it's like, he's also just a person, you know, like he's not well, yeah, like, I, overtly evil or trying to sabotage the mission. Wasn't know, his it's fault, based, but yeah, and it's, it's based on a real story. I get yeah, too, yeah. but like, listen, the terminal is based on a real story and uh, there are characters in that that are portrayed as villains that probably shouldn't be yes uh we'll get to that when we get to it um it, but it, it doesn't like there's the, also like the pr guy that works for nasa mm. uh and i'm forgetting the name of that actor uh he was in like 24 and shit he's in a million things um but like again that that's a guy that is just a cog in the wheel he's just an annoying corporate figure he's not evil or good that's what i like about the, this movie a lot there's really not there's not one i mean the villain is is in in this case uh the mission right circumstance yeah the circumstances of it all and it's it's kind of like shin godzilla in that way where it's like the collective people is the protagonist right and we're just working to stop this problem right and how are we going to survive it and that's fine by me i i realize now it's like like because i you know you're told like you have to have like the protagonist the villain and all that stuff and it's taken me a long time to realize like i love movies where there really isn't one singular protagonist where everyone is just working to solve one big problem because this is it's one of my favorite movies actually yeah it's it's it's, just so thrilling it's really excellent and (laughs) like it's not you know that those uh decisions are not in the absence of conflict Mm-hmm. You know, there is still plenty of conflict in this movie. Oh, and, yeah. A lot. Uh, it does so through minutia. You know, it, it mm-hmm. does so through, you know, very specific scenes about, you know, how are we going to get the carbon dioxide out of the ship? Uh, how are we going to preserve energy? How are we going to? I mean, there's literally details like how are we going to dispose of all this pee? Yes. You know, because they have to pee up there and they have to sleep up there and they have to do all of this other stuff that a lesser movie would never pay any attention. Well, it's also like how. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The little things that they somehow managed to make dramatic, because if you describe it to people, it's not doesn't appear to be all that dramatic. But I think about like uh, 
uh, like, why why don't we have the weight right? Why aren't we coming in correctly? Oh, we didn't land on the moon. There's no moon rocks. Oh, and just stuff like that. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I never would have thought of that. That's so smart. Yeah, uh, it's it's really amazing. Yeah. I was like, my entire life, I hated this movie. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I was, oh, I was such a douche. Yeah, there's a series of movies still around where I'm just like, Nika, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I just need an older set of eyes, man. Like. <laughs> You know, I here's it's too much fun. I was so confused because when you told him, I was like, dude, it's like one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen. How do you not like that one? Is it just because it's Ron Howard? Is yes. It, and that's it. I think that, that's entirely what it was. <laughs> I just had this thing about it was Clint and Ron Howard, I think. Interesting. Which I mean, what kind of douchebag hates on Ron Howard and Clint? Exactly. Eastwood, you know, <laughs> what kind of punk? I mean, I really should have been slapped as a child for saying things like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, who am I to like criticize Clint Eastwood of all people? Um. But yeah, I, like I, I here's where I'll, I'll push back a little bit. Just visually speaking, mm-hmm. I feel like both the right stuff and more recently First Man kind of blow it out of the water cinematically yeah. speaking. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I don't think like there's a ton happening visually. It's a movie about doing your job, right? And it's a movie about how uh, how much work it takes and how much attention to detail it takes in order to do your job effectively. Mm-hmm. It is not about sort of the wonder. Of space or the wonder of the final frontier it is about the wonder of human ingenuity Mm -hmm. right uh and that's kind of a harder thing to communicate to a 12 year old and i do think like the right stuff and and first man which is a movie that i've really grown to love over the last few years uh, i think criminally underrated um i think just do a better job of you know capturing the viscera and also frankly the personalities of the people involved uh Maybe. maybe like the right stuff is is i think populated with some really colorful characters and really um maybe not broader performances but i think probably more or less understated performances than this one not to say that the performances here aren't awesome because like there's a lot of great ones in this oh absolutely but i i do think like to the point of the performances and the cinematic qualities it is very like like level and honest and it it doesn't ever feel like it's playing things up all that much it does feel like very like naturalistic and human in a way it does sort of work to the movie's benefit it's not the only approach you could have taken but that doesn't mean that this approach feels ineffective it does often feel like yeah i'm i'm there with them when i'm in space it's it's weird to say because I'm, I'm never really a proponent of this but sometimes the plainness does work in in a certain in a certain sense both in visually anyway not so much the screenplay but uh both when i'm you know in 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 space and in the control room as well so Mm. yeah i'm okay with it i'm okay with it here again if if the script sucked it'd be a totally different story so i do that's that's absolutely true because i actually yeah i I agree cinematically it's not like the most spectacular thing it's a steady hand but it works it's not it's not like it yeah that's the thing it's not like it doesn't work it just probably leaves a little bit to be desired right uh, so many great scenes. We we talked about, of course, the the scene at the table where they dump out all the supplies they have in the module, and that that's the scene that's always sort of stuck with me. Just in in various situations in my life, just like when I'm tasked with a problem, and you're looking for perfect. If you're someone like me, like I'm a perfectionist because I have OCD and I'm insane, uh, <laughs> and you know I I beat myself up and will often get frustrated if perfection can't be achieved and. Mm. A scene like that is it's a great like little anecdote it's a great little sort of uh, <laughs> metaphor for any problem yeah. that you might encounter in your life of like listen 
You got a square peg, you got a round hole, and you got to make it work with whatever you have. And well, and by the way, the thing they're creating is by nature going to be imperfect. It's not a right. perfect thing that they're making. It just needs to work. Yes, <laughs> but you sort of you you play the hand that you're dealt yeah, in life. Exactly. And you do the best job you can with yeah. what you have in front of you, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it's just it's a great movie about that idea. The whole thing is that because, I mean, nothing about the mission is correct. Right. <laughs> they're just yeah, they're making it up on the fly. They, yeah, right. they are hodge- brilliant people. Just right. Exactly. Throwing out all of the rules that they that they had learned in college or whatever. And and this is what I, I always go back to at the end of the day. Like if your story is cinematic, even if like your cinematic uh, sensibilities aren't like the most imaginative thing ever the story will lend itself to that stuff more than enough that's the thing about right. this this movie more than anything is that just the story is cinematic and it's thrilling and it kind of keeps you on edge it's it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter that ron howard is perhaps the most milquetoast director who's ever existed right <laughs> like a, a sto- yeah, but no, the guy knows a moment though oh, like, no, no, he, he I, knows- i'm watching the uh, here he does, i am now does, yeah. arguing with 12 year old nico but sure <laughs> there's that uh there's the scene where sinise is out in the field, because of course Gary Sinise was uh, his character was kicked out of the mission. And like, just watching it yeah. two days before, and there's that scene of him just watching the 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 uh, the takeoff by himself, and he knows drama. And he yeah, knows- there's the scene where the wife drops the ring in the oh, shower, show, yeah. like. He he knows drama. He knows and he knows uh, how to make a dramatic shot. That's for sure. Yeah, you know he's 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 not like doing anything experimental with the camera. Absolutely, but there's a reason why like a lot of his films are you know are generally effective is just because he's able to you know constantly tap into that sort of thing. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, what else was I going to say about? I, I I guess I was just going to say like with a story like this, you know, you know, it doesn't really matter who you are. Like a story like this is going to make someone like Ron Howard look great. Right. And it does. And I don't want to dis- talk too disparagingly about Ron Howard. He's not a bad filmmaker, but, you know, I, I agree with you in the sense that he's not like the guy I go to to learn about how to craft it's not my film school. Right. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen his master class? No. I hear it's really good. Mm-hmm. I've heard it is the best. I haven't watched it either, but it, I hear it's the best just like pure distillation of what it takes to be a director on a very just like easy to understand and digest level. Like. Apparently he's very articulate. He he tells you exactly how to block a shot, uh, how to cut, you know, how long to hold. Like apparently it is the place to go if you know nothing about directing and just want to learn like very simple, plain English tricks of the trade. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. He starts. I know that he starts that thing off by saying like, you know, we're. You know, some people say that, you know, uh, anybody could be a director. And you know something? I think anybody could. Right. That's very reassuring. <laughs> yeah, I was on the Andy Griffith show. If I can do it, so can you. It's like, okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I have to watch that. Uh, this is really great, and I apologize to everyone involved. Me, me, you got to apologize to me. I apologize to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> uh, give me a Hank's grade. Uh, ooh, his performance? Yeah. I mean, I think for what he has to do, it's a it's another solid A minus A. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it yeah A minus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's really good. Apparently, uh, he is very similar to was it Jim Lovell, John Lovell? Oh, Jim, Jim, uh, Lovell. Jim Lovell. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he 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 uh, his mannerisms he he modeled uh, very close. heavily. All right, on, that's cool. That's cool. On the original guy. Yeah. And also, like they were on that con, the, what is the, what do they call that thing? The vomit comet. The yeah, for the entirety of the every every almost every space scene, with the exception of a few shots where they did like like uh, seesaws, right? Uh, are uh, 
on that thing. And you never puked. No. So you get an A minus for that. I forgot they they went up and down to do those scenes. Like I forgot how many takes it was. There's there's a great trivia fact of that. It was like a like four hundred times. Maybe I'm blowing it blowing it out of proportion, but it might be that. Goodness gracious. Like four hundred drops. Thing you do from 1996. It is one of two movies written and directed by Tom Hanks. Larry Crown being the other one, not on this list. Never seen it. Me neither. Yeah. I don't know how it is. However, I do like this movie, and I, I don't know. I wish he directed more of this guy. <laughs> Me too. Starring Tom Everett Scott, who uh, I did not recognize, so I, I looked it up. Yeah. He played the guy at the end of La La Land, the new husband at the end of La La Land. Oh, because I did recognize him, and I was trying to figure out where the hell I had seen him from. Yeah. I was like, who is this guy? Where the hell have I seen him from? So that's pretty interesting. The guy just continued to love jazz well after that thing you do. Maybe he's still, maybe that's what he does. I don't know. Yeah. That's funny. Kind of interesting, like, because he's so charismatic in this, and then in that movie, he is, you know, the personification of a boring safe husband that's kind of the idea yeah i know but it's funny when i was watching this movie la la land came to mind a couple times yeah with some of those drum sequences yeah totally uh let's see uh live live tyler's also in this in an early performance uh jonathan schlackle steve zahn and uh yeah tom hanks as well Charlize, mr white yes Charlize theron is in this giovanni rabisi shows up briefly that's right brian cranston is in like Two seconds. I know that was so weird. Ironically enough, Tom Hanks playing a Mr. White character, character named Mr. White. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. How about that? I missed that. Yeah. And then Rita Wilson <laughs> also uh, shows up as like a waitress. Nominated for Best Original Song, but it lost, Adam Hall. The song lost. To what? You Must Love Me from Evita. What the hell is that? It's an Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice musical. It's based on Webber's stage play. That doesn't count. Yeah, but they wrote a song and Madonna performed it and I listened to it before the show and it is uh, not good. <laughs> not good or not as good? Not good. I would say Highway Robbery. That's pretty bad because this, this, that thing you do is great. This is what I want to talk about. So a local Pennsylvania band scores a one hit wonder in 1964 and rides the star making machinery as long as they can with lots of help from their manager. Uh, the miracle of this movie is it's a movie about one song and they play the song like a thousand times at least 12 right more than that. They play it a lot. 
or, or if it's not the entire song, they're playing like bits and pieces of it basically throughout. Yes. And I mean, it just does like most of the movie is occupied with <laughs> that one hit wonder by nature because, you know, the story sort of demands it. Right. But I know where you're going with this. Uh, I, I could listen to it, you know, you know, 30 more times. I don't give a shit. It's a jam. It's a jam of a song. It's a really good song. Yeah. And it's a fictional song that exists in a fictional universe. And although it got a release in the real world, like this is a song that fictional characters listen to. And in this fictional universe, uh, scores of young women <laughs> listen to it on records and on the radio and lined up to see the Ed Sullivan show to see this band. Yeah. So you got to sell that. Right. And you got to sell it by bringing the goods. Here's the thing about movies, right? Like, you can fake a lot of emotion like you can you can tell the audience how to feel and trick them into feeling a certain way using angles and dramatic scores and lighting and like there are ways to fake emotion in film and manipulate your audience. Uh, there's nowhere to hide when you're writing a song or when you're like performing stand up comedy, for example. Right. Yeah. Oh, we've had this problem before in the past when dealing with uh, comedians in film who are like, I'm a great comedian and my story is this. And then you hear their jokes and they fucking suck. And they suck. Like, they suck. Yeah. You know, I like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel a lot, but I think one of the flaws of the later seasons of that show is that we're led to believe that Midge Maisel has risen to superstardom with material that's kind of whatever. Yeah. You know? I agree. Uh, and the great music movies or the great stand up movies, I think are able to calibrate the quality of the material with the response that they get in the fictional world. So um, A Star is Born, for example. Like, Shallow is a great song. That's a number one hit in our world. And the first time you hear it, you're like, yeah, that's... That's a number one hit. That's, that's fucking... That's a great country song, right? And uh, in the movie, you understand why the audience at this music festival or concert would have erupted into applause, right? You can't even argue with it. That's the fascinating thing about that example is that, like, if someone were to say, like, that's not a number one hit, well, it, it was a number one hit, you idiot. Literally it <laughs> Literally was. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then I think in in another way, like uh, Inside Lewin Davis, there are great songs in Inside Lewin Davis, but they are not, like, you know, uh, populist Number one on the Billboard charts, smash hits, which is important for that character. You have to understand why that character wouldn't have made it. Yeah, right. It's got to work. Like you have to care about his journey, so therefore the songs have to be good enough to do that. Well, they almost need to be. In that case, they almost need to be great for that. Mo- like they're. I would argue that those songs are very good, but they do have that tinge of inaccessibility because they're a little too, you know, uh, uh, brooding sometimes or dour. Right. Just sad. Yes. Um, and then, oh, oh brother, where art thou? Another yeah. Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that song would be a number one hit, and was that soundtrack won the uh, the Grammy that, that year for that best is, album? That's kind of funny, you know. So like the Coens nail it. Like th- that is exactly the response. Um, uh, there's another uh, the movie Sing Street from a few years ago. Drive mm. it like you stole it is a great song, right? Um, and so, and you know, in in the case of like most biopics too, like the reason that music biopics don't have this problem is because these were already songs that hit right so like i i understand why queen would have uh a a huge rapturous uh reaction at the end of uh bohemian rhapsody right um so the songs don't have to be great and they don't have to be terrible they just need to be appropriate to what the response is in the movie Mm -hmm. uh i I like this movie but a movie like danny collins 
it's about Al Pacino and an aging rock star. Mm. And there's a song in that movie that is fine, but we're led to believe that it was the biggest song of 1984, you know? Uh, Another like not great movie Eurovision Song Contest with Will Ferrell and and uh, Rachel McAdams like this pair of people perform a song that is good enough apparently to win over the world and it sucks. <laughs> that thing you do, I would argue, is the perfect balance of being a great jam yep. and fun to listen to, but also a song that a one hit wonder would make. Yep. I agree. You know, I completely agree. A song that does not change the world, does not shatter the earth, does not catapult a band into superstardom. Just like a pretty good song that we're going to forget about in a couple years. <laughs> uh, but it was good while it lasted. But it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, yeah. And that really carries the whole movie. You know, yeah. when yeah. you have that, uh, it's hard to mess it up. And um the writer of that song, uh, what was his name? Uh, fucking the guy that did Stacy's mom. Oh, really? Yes, Adam Schlesinger, who wow. uh, who just died from COVID. Really? Oh, ago, yeah. no. But he, Fountains of, of Wayne, which was the Stacy's mom band, that was his band. Um, after he wrote this song for that thing you do, he became like the pop music in movies guy. Is that right? Okay. And I mean, it's just, he nails it. He absolutely nails it. I agree. Yeah. Damn. That is fascinating. But I completely agree with you. That was my thought going all the way through this. I was like, holy shit, they nailed this. That is a, that's exactly the kind of song you would see for characters like this. It was so spot on. It was one of those like uncanny effects for a song for a movie. Because I was kind of worried about that. I didn't know what it was about. I I, I, for, I thought it was going to be like a rom-com. You know, so there's something about that. Oh, this t- is your first time watching it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. wow. Okay. There, there was something about the title that made me think, oh, that's a silly rom-com about a guy dealing with a, uh, a funky, uh, eccentric girl. And that's not what it was. And when I realized, oh, it's about a band writing a song. Oh, boy, what's this going to be? And then I was just like, I listened to the song after the movie was over yeah. a couple of times because that's that's how infectious it is. Green Day did a cover of the song. Really? Yeah, there's a Green Day version of the song <laughs> yeah, out that's there. Like, good. it charted. It was a big hit. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, Tom Hanks, after this, this movie's success, I think it was in 98... Actually, the movie was not successful, I should say. Uh, Only made $26 million on a $25 million budget. That's unfortunate. Did not do well. It was his one rare miss, and that might be the reason why he uh, stopped directing movies. Because they're like, go back to Nora Ephron world. Okay, well, this is frustrating because he's a good director. Sure is! Thank you! I was watching this, and immediately I I was like... Oh, wow. He knows exactly where to place the camera. He knows exactly where to move it. And also, there's a lot of directing going on here. It's not plain by any stretch of the imagination. It looks good. The editing is so good. Oh, my God. I love the editing so much in, in a lot of those musical sequences. And never losing never losing focus on the fun that these kids are having when they're performing. And again, there's a lot of great attention to them just like 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 reveling in the fact that these people are starting to love them for the first time. It's just so considered. I didn't expect that. It's Mm. really good. Yeah. uh, With a lot of first time directors, especially when actors take on um, directing for the first time. Like I think about um, like Todd Field, terrible director. Not not very good. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Oh boy. (laughs) Sorry, people. There's going to be a lot of tar discussion for the next (laughs) couple of months. Just... Know it now. 
if you're out on tar, I'm sorry. It's been a good run, but you, there's no need for you to listen to this podcast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of it. We're talking tar all the way to March. Not my favorite movie of the year, but very, very good. Very, amazing. Very good. Yes. Uh, so, like, uh, Denzel, when he did Fences, for example. I like Fences just Fences fine. is fine, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's based on a play. That doesn't help. But it's a very insulated, uh, considered, uh, very minimalist movie. You yes. know? That's a movie where clearly Denzel is... I think maybe afraid to put too much meat on the bone. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just going to do the material the way that it was written for the stage and is maybe going to add a little bit of flair here and there, but there's not a lot of excess. There's not a lot of shagginess. No. You know, uh, when Jodie Foster does movies um, that she sort of, she started ramping up her directing career in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, She kind of does a similar thing where everything is, is very, a minimalist and in service of the script and in service of the actors. Yeah, it's very like traditionally theatrical where it's like, I'm yes. not going to do much. I'm just going to place the camera here. And, you know, on a on on an, on an editing timeline, it makes sense. You can follow it. But it's but it's never like it's always it's always like the, the, I always think of the Roger Deakins thing where it's like a lot of what he does is to to put the audience in a certain emotional headspace. And he's always saying, like, you place the camera to to determine where you want the audience to be. And th- like these actors are more so just thinking about like, how can I see the actors? Yeah. They also you know? don't want to fuck it up too. It's safe. It's very safe. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And I get yeah. it. Like if you're on one side of the camera, your entire life and you have one chance to do it on the other side, like, I mean, even Hanks, like this was a miss. I'm sure studios were very skeptical of letting him direct another movie after this. Um, and so like, I understand why you would sort of be fearful, but Hanks kind of just lets, Crosstalk happen Oh yeah In scenes yeah, yeah, And he yeah. kind of Lets the characters hang out Like the garage scenes Are so good for And that, just yeah, kind of yeah. beat Like the first half hour Of this movie Is American graffiti Essentially Like it's in a town Hanks doesn't even show up till about 45 minutes in I know I was waiting for him Yeah that's right And there's no real movie Happening for a lot of it <laughs> And Like and I mean that Totally in a good way Like it's a movie That's kind of messy And rough around the edges And uh not every performance is perfect. Not everything is super considered. It's it's kind of loose and fun, and it has a sense of atmosphere. That's fine for this story, though. I'm okay with it. Anywhere else, it might have been a problem, but for, I think for this story, it actually kind of makes it better. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of amazing, though, how much confidence he had his first time out, you know? I, I know, but it's, the funny thing is, it's like he hasn't even been a superstar for that long, is right. the thing. So that's the other really impressive thing. I mean, he it, has so. two Oscars. Yes, that's true. I mean, he's the uh, one of the only people ever to win two Oscars, in a, or the only one ever, right? In a row? Back to I think so yeah so um, you know that that I think got him a lot of credibility but yeah you're right like uh, he was not like a big producer at this point he wasn't really involved with Spielberg and DreamWorks in the way that he later would be um, so yeah it, it is uh, it does take a lot of confidence to do a movie like this it's important to note by the way his directing career has led to uh, some very well known podcasts fun fact. Like <laughs> his direction on uh, Band of Brothers uh, led to the Dead Eyes podcast, which is very well known at this point. Huh? Yeah, yeah. It's because uh, he fired an actor without knowing that he fired an actor, and then that actor went on to do a podcast about understanding why Tom Hanks would fire me, and the reason <laughs> apparently Tom Hanks gave him was because the guy's got dead eyes. <laughs> And he's like, that's it, it. 
broke his heart. He couldn't believe it. So the entire conceit of that guy's podcast is like embracing differences and trying to get to the bottom of like what makes someone special versus and trying to take the thing that everyone views as a weakness and making it something special. And mm-hmm. and also trying to solve the mystery of why Tom Hanks fired him on the show. Turns out he actually had Tom Hanks on the show, I think, this year. <laughs> and they finally got to the bottom of it. And Tom Hanks is like, I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> in a good way. They got along very, very well. Mm. But um, apparently it was a case of <laughs> of that, um, someone making like an offhanded comment about like, like you can't you can't be too tall for this scene or something like that. So we have to let this guy go. But the dead eyes comment came out and Tom Hanks totally forgot about it. So yeah. In March. Yeah. Tom appeared on the show. Yeah. The episode is just called Tom. It's a great show. It's a really, really sweet. I need to listen to this really sweet, really inspiring uh, episode. I love it a lot. Uh, He had Colin on the show too. Colin Hanks. Yeah. 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 Hearing these two talk was just fascinating. And they talk about this movie, funny enough. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's see. What else did I want to mention about this? Uh, I I think the cast is actually really good, although not many of them went on to do much else. I mean, Liv Tyler definitely uh, had a career and Steve Zahn did too. But uh, Tom Everett Scott and Jonathan Schlegel, um, not much. Nope. Not much. Nope. Nope. It's kind of weird, but they're all good. They're all really good. Yeah. Um, oh, what I was saying before. So uh, in 1998, Hanks established the actual Playtone Records. It was a fictional. Uh, oh, I was wondering about that. I was like, oh, what the hell is the this? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Playtone uh, became an actual label in 98. He formed it with Gary Getzman, who uh, the Hollywood producer that inspired the uh, yep. licorice pizza character. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of cool. And they that, did a bunch of movie scores. That was their specialty. Ah, uh, so that okay, because I I remember like I've seen Playtone on Band of Brothers in the Pacific. So what the hell? Yeah, oh was, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, they did the Sopranos soundtrack. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, funny. Okay. Yeah, they did a bunch of stuff. Interesting. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention here. Oh, didn't love the ending. Eh, it's a cute ending. I I did I did I kind of agree though. Yeah, it's a little too. Hate the, the the sugary. Of course, I hate the the fictional title cards at the end. As you know, not a fan of that. Have they ever been done in a way that was good to you? I like them in Animal House because they're funny. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, they're good in Animal House. Yeah, I'll give you that. They never work in the Albert Brooks movies. Oh, that's the those are the worst things about those movies. Fatal flaws. Yeah, I agree with it's that. It's the one thing that keeps those movies from you know five stars. It's like it's they're all four and a half star movies because of that. Fatal flaws. I agree. You know. Yeah. They never work. Don't like it. Fair. Yeah, and I agree with that here too. I was kind of like yeah. Yeah, and I also think like you know I like Liv Tyler in this movie a lot. I do too. I love when she's talking about like being kissed and you know the feeling she gets from being kissed and yeah. you know I've I've wasted a thousand kisses on you. So great, like, yeah. That's like awesome. Just you know, high school girl romantic movie shit. It works here though. She's supposed to be that character. She's yeah. really good, but I I don't love that the movie kind of retcons her romantic arc. You know in. Uh, retcons it at the end into the primary sort of driving force of the movie like it kind of comes out of nowhere it's kind of tacked up yeah I agree with that yeah you know it's 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 I mean it's sweet enough it's like I can't get too mad at it because they're very good in it and it's not like it's 
I mean, I saw it coming, but I was like, oh, okay, really? That's that's fine, I guess. But I agree with you that they didn't need to go in that direction. It would have been more effective had they just kind of departed. Yeah. And, you know, considered the possibility of sticking of sticking around. Like, you know, that like the ending that actually happens should have been like the dream ending, <laughs> honestly. Right. Yeah. So it right. would have been a little more effective. Yeah. Right. But you are asking me to give you the key to his room so you can walk in, put a gun to his head and pull the trigger, and I can't do that. He murdered Annie and Peter. There are only murderers in this room. Michael, open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see heaven. Michael could. Then do everything that you can to see that that happens. Leave. I'm begging you. It's the only way. Road to Perdition. Hell yeah. From 2002. Directed by Sam Mendes. Your boy. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> you hate him. You hate him so much. I don't much. hate him. You're just <laughs> I just don't like him. Dislike him. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Tom Hanks, Daniel Craig, Jude Law, Stanley Tooch. Uh, we're going to talk about him in a second as well. Yes, we are. And Paul Newman in his final live action role. Mm-hmm. Winner of Best Cinematography for also a uh, a final performance of sorts, Conrad Hall. Uh, the great Conrad Hall. Your brethren. That's right. <laughs> I, maybe I, I got to look into that one. He wins the posthumous Oscar there. Yeah. Uh, if we don't have Conrad Hell, we don't have Deacons. That's right. Yep. Uh, there's also a supporting actor nomination for Newman, uh, art direction, sound, sound editing, and original score. A mob enforcer's son in 1930s Illinois witnesses a murder, forcing him and his father to take the road and his father down a path of redemption and revenge. Made $183 million on an $80 million budget. Okay. Did well. It's not bad. We're kind of like a dour period piece, artsy Oscar bait movie, right? I guess so. I guess so. Pretty good. Yeah, I'd say pretty good. Uh, okay. Here's the thing about Mendes, right? I'd never seen this movie. Oh, okay. It's my first time watching yeah. it. Uh, I feel like all of the unfair criticisms that David Fincher gets lobbied his way are warranted when we're talking about Mendes. Yeah. His movies are very dour. Okay. They're very self-serious. They're beautifully shot, but they're kind of dumb. And I feel like they uh, sort of have this air about them <laughs> that sort of, uh, you know, implies sophistication and intelligence. Oh. American Beauty being obviously the biggest example. Oh, I see what you mean. A movie that has just been raked over the coals for the last 10 years in its time was beloved and did really well critically and at the box office, won Oscars. And I think over the years, we kind of look at it as this kind of stupid quasi-satire that's not really dramatic and not really funny, right? Yep. And I think like you can say that in a good way about Skyfall and in a bad way about Spectre, right? Those are Bond movies that are silly because they're Bond movies, but shot very handsomely and stylish, stylishly. Um, and that's also being said now about Mendes's Empire of Light, which is, I guess, hitting theaters in a few months. 
He's not a he's not a, a hit after hit director. He's not perfect. I I don't think he's he's not made a ton of films that I I absolutely love. I I, I really really like um, uh, 1917, and I would say I love Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Mm, I kind of say I love this one too, actually. Yeah, I would say this. I think this is one of my favorite yep. Sam Mendes movies. Mm-hmm. I, I think kind of uh, running away. But at the same time, I understand the critics here. Like I do too. You know, I do too, yeah. The difference between him and Fincher is first of all, Fincher's fucking hilarious. He's really funny. Well, you could see that even in interviews. The guy has a really sharp sense of humor. Yes. And it comes through on basically all of his films. He's super funny, yeah. and there's like a real dark comedy if you look hard enough for it. And he also has just an iron clad grasp on tone. Mm-hmm. Like he just knows exactly how and when to open and close the vice mm-hmm. on uh, on the viewer. And, um, like, you can make downer movies. Like, you can make a movie like Seven. You can make a movie like Gone Girl, right? You can make a movie yeah. like this. If you have a firm enough grasp and if you can turn the temperature up and down at the appropriate moments. Well, I mean, because you'll do it. I find, like, a lot of filmmakers do that. And they might do it fine. And I would say, in this case, Sam Mendes does it very very well not yeah. not as probably not as well as Fincher would have done it but that's the thing he's like you said he's just a master with knowing how to juggle tones right because I mean <laughs> gone I gone girl should not work no shouldn't work no but I would say it does yeah of course it yeah. does <laughs> so like like gone girl uh step away from it it's a really stupid movie yeah but I mean yeah it's paperback yeah, uh, fiction it, yeah it's, it's an airport port book totally but that movie rocks. Yeah. <laughs> the movie's really good. Uh, yeah. And it's it's one of those instances where it's like, and, and anyone else touches that material and it's dog shit. Right. Uh, I also think Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think similar to this movie, it, it, I mean, is dealing with really heavy stuff. Heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. You and struggle with this. I do struggle with it. But like, I if it's not in the hands of Fincher, it's way worse, in my opinion. Oh, um, well, it has been done. I, I, yeah, I, obviously there is a, yeah, of course. Which is good. There's the Swedish version is very yeah. good. Um, um, but like, I I do feel like he's a, like if Mendes does that movie, for example, like, oh my God, what a slog. Yeah, it would have been a slog. You know what I mean? Like, you really need to, you need to have your ducks in a row. Like, you have to have a complete control of everything happening at all times. Mm-hmm. And Fincher's like that. And I feel like Mendes, I like, I don't know, like, Sometimes his movies drag. I mean, sorry, like sometimes they just fucking bore the shit out of me, <laughs> um, which is fair, you know. And this movie, like, I enjoy it a lot, but there are moments like uh, the bank robbing montage. It's not like it's not really great. It's not really like as pulpy as it ought to be. Like, well, it's it's also like that's one that's an example of the tone being slightly out of whack. Where it's, right, it's a little too cute for its own good. Right, and and Tom Hanks again. Tom Hanks in this is is it. I, I really like him in this, but like the the way he's used is somewhat confused to me because he's especially with the beginning where they talk about him like being a bad guy, right? Because he is a bad guy. Yeah, he is. But he's fucking Tom. But Hanks. he's also Tom. Hanks. Yeah, yeah, and that's the, right. the the movie could have very easily used him to be like the 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 son of a bitch. Yeah, 
sure. That that it that it re- you know that's what it should have done anyway. Right. And there are plenty of glimpses of that. That's why I say like this is one of the few Tom Hanks roles where it's like he is playing a little more gray of a character, but because yeah, like he's a hitman just by virtue of the fact that he's playing a hitman, but he's also like the nicest hitman in the world. That's the thing. I mean, like he is the most lovable fucking mobster. Well, but this yeah, and this is the th- the funny thing about it because like, you recall scenes where he says you know le- leave leave him a message and he just shoots the guy right in the head and that's yeah. very much like a whoa scene right or where he mows down uh paul uh paul newman or, or where he shoots daniel craig in the bathtub it's a very like yeah. unsettling moment and I've that never, shot is sick so good yeah that conrad hall just is knocking it out of the park so, on that and one and it's just a clever idea even directorial yeah with the mirror coming yeah it's, it's amazing very very well done yeah. and that's another note that you never see tom hanks play but so much of the movie is overshadowed by that really sweet wholesome relationship with his son right that you do kind of forget about those really fucking dark moments that are present here right um this is this is the thing i think your some of your hang-ups something i think i like i like these characters a lot just because they're they're compelling characters but you're if if you're if you'd be frustrated by the film because none of the characters are fun, aside from Jude Law, yeah, I I, I understand. Jude Law's amazing. You can this. you you can use the. I don't care if a character's not like fun, just as long as they're compelling to watch. Um, I, for the record, I like the performances in this movie a lot. Yes, I, I'm not sure all of the characters make a ton of sense. Uh, <laughs> well, like whom? Well, I I think Hanks being the the most prominent example as doesn't I, make sense. I mean, I don't know, like. Is he like the, I remember at the time this, the movie was like, uh, oh, Hanks is playing against type here. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, no, he's not. Oh, he's uh, not really playing against type. Like he oh, is. Like, <laughs> he's playing a character that does bad things, but he's really just like a good dad. Well, so, OK. but uh, And I also find that conflict to be uh, therefore a little less compelling. Mm. Like I, I don't really I, I I'm never really um, under the the. Uh, the illusion that his son is going to turn out like him, you know, which is kind of the entire thrust of the movie, right? Sort of. Yeah. Or it's supposed to be like literally Sam Mendes in the closing narration of this movie is like, I grew up to be nothing like my father. I never held the gun again. Well, it's one of the greater flaws of of the, the movie narration sucks. In my opinion, yeah, in my but opinion. like I don't know. He seems like a pretty good dad. Was well, the t- and I know like his family got murdered or whatever, and it's a pretty traumatic thing for his son to go through. But like. I don't know. I, I never feel the same fear that Hanks feels because he's Tom Hanks and he feels like a fine guy. Well, is the, does the character not make sense or is it the casting that's more of an issue for you? Maybe it is the casting or maybe it's how it's played. I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, it's not like a Leon the Professional kind of relationship. No, you know? no, no, no. I mean, the, the, for me, the movie just works just because his his relationship with the kid, even when it's not, you know, like talking about will I or will I not be you, just... You know, the little nice conversations are are more than enough for me. I think they work very well together, particularly in one of those final uh, scenes where he literally says, I just didn't, you know, I, well, what did he actually say to his kid at the table? Did, was it along the lines of like, I didn't want you to make the same mistakes that I did or something like yeah, that? Yeah, essentially. Like, yeah, I didn't want you to grow up like me. It's one of those moments where it's like, I know what you're doing movie and I'm, I'm not, uh, um, you're not tricking me into believing that this kid is going to turn out like you, but I don't know. The way they play that scene is kind of quite moving. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's good. Yeah. It's fine. It's Hanks doing. Hang, it's fine. Well, it's because he's very. He he is pretty good in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it, um, it's fine. Uh, Daniel Craig again. Like I dig that performance. Super fun performance. Uh, 
don't really get what the motivation is there. I mean, he's just kind of a, an ambitious moron. He's an he's a Fredo. Yeah, M- more or less. Right, he's just a, a little black more malicious. Sheep. Yeah. Right, but nothing he ever does is really. And Jude Law similarly too. Like he's he's just a psychopath. Right? Yeah, Jude Law is my my biggest question mark with this because while he's fun, um, actually seems very out of place with the rest of this movie because it does feel like a very. Uh, like grounded, like period piece, a period which I absolutely love. I, I mean, and the setting is pretty fully realized. Yeah, here. and it's in- impeccably shot, which helps. Oh yeah, and th- again, just really, really classic shooting, updated for now too. Like those great sh- shots where a character is in the darkness and then they come into the light, and you can see the light literally illuminate their face, like right. it was done off camera. Yeah. But it's so. Uh, like like specific to a different era that was like very appropriate for now. Like I see that those moves happen in a lot of like forties films. Right. Uh, well, most iconically, I guess in the shootout at the end in the rain. Right? Very much so. Yeah. 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 That's right. And here it's 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 used beautifully. It's like you wouldn't have been able to do it in a lot of other like films that took place in a different area, but here it makes uh, a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And I, I don't know. There's just a lot of really great visual ideas here that are quite moving. It, just when the kid is viewing the the shootout for the first time underneath the, the cracks oh, yeah, of the door which that's are awesome yeah which are excellent with his father's feet right there right. and there here's the funny thing about that scene is that tom hanks without looking at him is very intimidating in that moment and all i see is his feet right it's like oh oh i i see why you yeah, see he's all he's moment. more intimidating there though isn't I, that weird though? no like, i agree when you yeah. don't see his face mm-hmm. and he's not like oh no i loved you both the same like like if you just physically just feel his presence it it yeah, but there's something about the way he plays it. He doesn't go all the way with it. And Perhaps, then he doesn't yeah. make him go all the way with it. I don't have an issue. Okay, I don't okay. have an issue. If fucking Fincher cast him, though, like, imagine if, like, Fincher cast him in the Daniel Craig role in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Well, I don't think Fincher would have cast Tom Hanks as the other problem. But just imagine if he did, though. Like, mm-hmm. he would have had to fucking, like, Fincher would not have been satisfied until take number 100 you know like he would have beat all of the tom hanksness out of him sure uh and yeah mendy's doesn't really do that here he doesn't go all the way because i just think tonally he's not really super confident yet as as a filmmaker i think he's still kind of learning how to do this he's not quite dark enough for this material either like he's right. a very optimistic kind of guy and this re- he's kind of schmaltzy yeah very I mean, schmaltzy. he's a theater guy i've never seen any of oh, his yeah. plays apparently his plays are just like tremendous mm-hmm. he's a genius uh theater director uh but yeah like he's got that broadway schmaltz to him i think oh yeah i agree and i, I don't want to make it like like any boat this is one of my favorite it's my second favorite film on the list as a matter of fact, really, I love this movie. Okay, uh, because for the most part, those scenes do work for me, just as like a as a nice period piece watched with that just looks incredible. And I mean, the performances are so good, and it's very it's incredibly well written. And there's just a number of sequences that I just get very, very, very excited for. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's 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 perhaps a little too fun for what the story is actually about. That's the thing. It's like it's not a happy tale at all. No. And and I do. And there's no like jokes in it no i mean there's no there is no real moments of levity doesn't need levity i don't care but doesn't but like but do that though that you know what i mean well, like, if, you're, if you're playing into a, a, a softer side then it's it seems a little odd right i agree with that like there should be no whimsy and the score i think the, sc- the in particular the thomas newman score yeah is and, and not to say that he has not done excellent work in other films but like it's very overbearing at times. At times, sure. And then you get to the the um, the narration at the beginning and the end. Thank God it's only at the beginning and the end, but 
um it's that sort of days of heaven yeah looking back at a you know a a worse time in my life and <laughs> um yeah I, I it just doesn't work and also like it's beating the themes into you yeah we know them at this point and we know the themes that's what i'm saying with mendy's like you're a great stylist but like you're not fucking reinventing the wheel here. This is not network, you know? This is not a Patty Chayefsky no. script. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. I think you could do this story. I don't have an issue with, like, a shitty father, you know, you know, trying to do his best to make sure that his son doesn't turn out like him. I've seen that before, and it's been done very, very well. And I'm not so sure it's done poorly here. It's 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 too well made for me to say that it's done uh, poorly and it's not yeah. like I'm it not affected by it. There are plenty of sequences where like he gets in a tiff with his son which I actually, you know, feel the the impact for sure. Um it I but what I will say is that it doesn't go far enough. Yes. I'll say that. Right. That's prob- possibly its biggest failing is that it doesn't go far enough with like the, the the, the troubling nature of the story and that relationship that it kind of needs to. It, or the pulpiness even. Or the pulpiness. And it, literally, I mean, it's based off of the, the, the um, graphic Gra- novel. Yeah, graphic novel, which was based off a of manga, I think. A famous Interesting, manga. yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely needed to go for it in a few more scenes that like like desperately required it for it to be as, you know, heavy as, as it is. It's just, that's just what the story is. Mm. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Separating it from some of those details, I can still watch this thing and have a pretty good time with these characters. Because I do like the Tom Hanks character in this a lot. You mm. know, I do like this Tom Hanks mode. I love to death the scene where uh, he goes to like the, the, the speakeasy. And, you know, he goes to the back and, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, here's a letter. And it's like, am I in trouble? I don't know. Right. He is so good in those moments. I don't know. Like, he's actually sh- uh, surprisingly good in, in the quiet moments in a way that I didn't expect. And that's just a wonderful sequence. And there's a lot of scenes that are just like that. Yeah. Or when he goes to see Stanley Tucci, excellent scene. Yeah. Tucci's just great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just like, and again, like, like, a, a a guy who's breaks him down in the right ways because he is very intimidating to me at the beginning of this movie and the way he's broken down is actually fairly effective in a scene like that where it's like it's a little disarming how vulnerable that type of character has to be and I think it kind of works I think I love the reveal that uh, Paul Newman by the way Paul Newman in this movie is fantastic another great reunion with Paul Newman and uh, Conrad Hall by the way gotta love that Uh, movie uh, it's Butch Cassidy right no, no. That they, did, I, I don't know if he shot Butch Cassidy, but not the one that I'm thinking of. No, I think he did shoot Butch, Butch Cassidy. But uh, what were you thinking of? Cold Hand Luke. Oh, really? He yeah. shot that too. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. You know, this is a good movie. I think it's, it's a really good movie. As a matter of fact, he did shoot Butch, Butch Cassidy. He did. Okay. Well, yeah. there we go. There we go. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, that is Road to Perdition. Give me a Hank score on this one. I uh, I really like Hanks in this one. I'm giving him a B. I think it's a B. You're passing. You're it's fine. It's not going to affect the GPA that much. I give him another A minus. Okay. I give him another A minus. Oh, how about in uh, the thing you do? He he's kind of plays a small role in that. That's that's. I mean, if we're to talk about his talents, yes. I mean, if you're not, we're not really judging the Tom Hanks character. We're ju- we're judging what he created. Yeah. That's an A. Yeah. That's an A. But I t- do like that. That character though isn't an overt villain, much like we we just talked about with Apollo thirteen. Mm-hmm. Like, not very likable though. I no, say, but kind of just like a cog in the wheel. Like when the movie ends, it's like ah, listen, one hit wonders. It happens. You can you're in breach of contract, but it, so what? You kind of forget about that character though. I I give him more of a B in that one. Yeah. Not. not not even a B plus, just a B. He's not playing Colonel Parker, for example. You know, in that no, movie. no. But I think he's significantly more compelling than that character in, in Road to Perdition. I, I'd give him 
yeah, another A minus. He's consistent, consistent A's across the board. My question is, is like objectively here, if you show this to someone who's never seen a Tom Hanks film, does the, does the Tom Hanks of it all work? I don't know. Maybe it does. Right. Because I think part of our criticisms here are uh, uh, illustrated by the fact that we've seen a bunch of Tom Hanks films and we saw them before this one. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I See, I don't feel like Hanks is a guy. Like some people say, like when they see Hanks, they only see Hanks. I feel like he kind of disappears into his performances pretty well. I understand why people say that. I'm not as I don't completely agree with that i don't agree with that with saving private ryan right i mean philadelphia he is a different character yeah completely um i mean even captain phillips where he's not a lot of makeuping there like he's just kind of a a guy that talks like tom hanks and looks like tom hanks like certainly with the safe performances he's he's tom hanks but you know something like even finch yeah i'm okay with him that that's a good movie Bridge of Spy, maybe he's Tom Hanks and Bridge of Spies. I don't know. I, I I see what they mean, but I I think it's a little harsh. Yeah, frankly. It seems that your country has suspended all traveling privileges on passports that have been issued by your government, and our State Department has revoked the visa that was going to allow you to enter the United States. That's it in a nutshell, basically. Right. Anyway, it seems that while you were in the air. There was a military coup in your country. Now, most of the dead were members of the Presidential Guard. They were attacked in the middle of the night. It was a terrible firefight. Uh, They got it all on GHN, I I think. Anyway, there were very few civilian casualties, so I'm sure your family's fine. Mr. Navorsky, your country was annexed from the inside. The Republic of Krakosia is under new leadership. Krakosia! Krakosia! (laughs) Krakosia! Right. I don't think, uh, I don't think he, he gets it. Okay. Uh, all right, here we go. Ready? Final yeah. movie. It's called The Terminal. It's about a guy stuck in a terminal. <laughs> it's from 2004. Who directed this movie? Uh, a man by the name of Stefan Spielberg. Oh, interesting. When's The Fablements coming out here? Well, I think uh, there's a showing that's going to be playing on Saturday. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I guess I'll mention it on the air. I was going to bring this up after the pod, but one Jabril Mahmood wanted to go see this movie with us. So is that right? Yeah, I don't know what we're doing on Saturday. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, let's figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I need to get out and see this. Yes, because apparently it's very good. Yeah. Uh, Stefan. Let's see. Two thousand four. Stefan. Okay. I um. Hmm. This right. is a weird Spielberg era. Okay. Tom Hanks, <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones, Stanley Tucci star. Uh, an Eastern European tourist unexpectedly finds himself stranded in JFK airport and must take up temporary residence there. Uh, yeah, it's from Krakosia, this guy. Krakosia. 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 This movie made like a ton of money. Only cost $60 million and made 219 Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Another hit. This was early DreamWorks Spielberg when he was actually making movies for DreamWorks and it wasn't just an animation studio. Oh, wow. And it did well. Terminal. I haven't seen Always. Um, I haven't seen uh, the BFG. Haven't seen. I haven't seen those either. I have not seen. Um, what is it? Nineteen forty-one. Haven't seen nineteen forty-one. Haven't seen Amistad. I haven't seen Amistad. I've seen parts of it. But I haven't seen it entirely. No. Uh, I'm trying to 
think what uh, Amistad is well received though people like Amistad uh, uh, have seen War Horse certainly I haven't I haven't seen um, Empire of the Sun uh, I have hmm. point being I think this is Spielberg's worst movie you think so it's the worst one I've seen wow yeah wow I don't like it you don't like it at all don't care for it did you just watch it again uh, yeah oh I like it a lot Oh, I don't like it. It's oh, I don't care for it at all. Too cute. Oh, so cute. Oh, I see. Yeah. Not a fan. That's okay. Spiel it. Get out of here with your bullshit. <laughs> no. Uh, no. This movie's bullshit, dude. <laughs> this movie's fucking bullshit, man. You might be right. Oh, it's so stupid. Just like, you know, like security guards marrying uh, uh, TSA agents and oh well, it's 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 Spielberg's take so on a stupid. It's it's Spielberg's take on a Nora Ephron esque. Yeah, film. it's like an Ernst Lubitsch kind yeah. of the touch, the Lubitsch touch kind of. Oh, it's so whimsical and dumb. <laughs> Fuck this movie so hard. Ooh. It's so stupid. Here's the problem too. Like we know this, Spielberg's not funny. He's got no sense of humor. Not not a funny bone in his body. That's fine. He's the best filmmaker of his generation, so you cannot be funny, I guess. But it just. Like, don't do comedy. And especially don't do this kind of comedy, which, like, I, I don't know, is a weird kind of blend of satire, but also drama, schmaltzy drama, and the ending's supposed to be inspirational, but also, like, it just it doesn't work. None of this movie works. It is a disaster of tone. He is the worst person to direct this movie. They picked the worst person in Hollywood to it's direct a, this movie. I give you that. It's a very, very, very strange choice given what the movie's about. Like, I, I remember watching the movie and, re- and like, recognizing, like, the... the uh, uh, God, what what, what the, the hell is the, the guy's name? Who shoots all of his films? Uh, Dean Cundy, right? No, no, he shot the some 90s films. Who shoots his fucking movies now? God damn it. Oh, yeah. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Darius. No, it's not It's not Kanji. It's, what the hell's his name? Why am I blanking on the name? Yeah, me too. I, fuck. Janice Kaminsky. Janice yeah. mm, God damn it. Yeah. But I, I could tell it was him. That it was Yanis, and I'm like, okay, okay, great. Like, this is this. It's cool that they got this this Spielberg cinematographer to do this movie, but this is definitely not a Spielberg movie, right? And then the credits rolled, and it was a Spielberg movie. <laughs> First time I saw it, I was so shocked. I was like, "There's nothing Spielberg about this. It's one of the weirder entries." Well, no, the problem is there is something Spielberg well, about schmaltz- it, and it's all the bad stuff about. Well, yeah, Steven yeah, yeah. Spielberg, no, that's right? what I mean. Like the schmaltziness. It's like like Spielberg's like like bad sides unchecked, essentially. Yes, I. <laughs> Maybe it's a guilty pleasure. I really love the movie. Okay, please defend it. Please give me your best case. I love the airport. So that's 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 starters. All right, kind of cool getting stuck in an airport. Not I, gonna lie, I kind of want to get stuck in an airport. I love the setting. You know, what my dream is that like I get a flight that's delayed by like three days. Yeah, that's my dream. Or like, or that I get like kicked off a flight, or I get one of those offers to wait for the following day so they give me like a thousand dollars to go to a hotel yeah yeah well there's a playground element to the movie that i really like it feels like if kevin McAllister was an adult and he was stuck in an airport and he never got on the plane i don't care but like if he grew up to be like a really nice unambiguously awesome guy i love i love uh I love him in this. I love Tom in this. He is so de- he's so lovable and delightful. <laughs> it shit. It shit. It shit. Yeah, I don't know, man. You. 
no shit. <laughs> it's funny. One of the, the the comps that was cited when Spielberg was, was making the movie was Playtime, the Jacques Tati movie. It's and, a lot of that in this, yeah. And he said like he modeled the airport after that. This was a, a studio. This is not an actual airport that they shot at. <laughs> okay, but let, let's let's be perfectly frank here and, and and upfront right now. It's nothing like Playtime. Yeah. No movie is like Playtime, <laughs> and no movie will ever be like Playtime ever again. That movie is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. But. I see what he's talking about. Certainly with the okay, the character of that Tom Hanks is playing is very similar to like the the one you follow throughout Playtime, the Tati character himself. Um so I agree with that. Um but but yeah, it's not nowhere near as like visually in, inventive or as hands-off in such a specific hands-off but hands-on, which that's such a fascinating movie. Um I, I, I don't know. I love the hijinks of this movie. Oh, stop. <laughs> Please. Stop. I can't even, I can't get too like angry at you for disliking. Oh, the poker game. I love they're it. playing for Lost and Found. I, I love the carts. I love those carts. Oh, jeez. I, I love the fucking crackers he has to eat with the condiments on them. Uh, Trying what, to get the job at Brookstone or whatever, yeah. <laughs> the discovery store. I love when he's waiting for, yeah, for the, for the, for the bathroom. And he, he has, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know why it Doesn't works. It feel like you're living at the airport sometimes <laughs> i don't know why it works so well i mean i will agree with you <laughs> yeah uh, why please it's why adorable it's very entertaining it's like a sick day movie it makes me feel it's like you know bundling up by the fire and watching a really nice sweet entertaining movie i i do like um uh i, I do actually think um um stanley tucci is a fun uh compelling foil uh, yeah, but he, okay <laughs> you can be a foil but why is he like this dictatorial villain like why is he like why is he so mean why is he so mean to tom hanks well then the implication is that he's he's a little like like uh, uh ignorant he's a he's a little prejudiced against well uh, his ambition like, is getting in the way to like I, whatever yes. i get that but okay like if richard linklater made this movie Right or if if someone like that with kind of like no you know who makes this movie better who Soderbergh oh my God yes Soderbergh's version would be per- someone with a, a little bit of a lighter touch and mm. not as heavy a hand and um, that isn't so devoted to cinematic tricks in the way that Spielberg is like it's about heroes and villains and good and evil and all of Spielberg's movies. And it's about wonder and awe and he just can't help it. Yeah. Like he just can't help but putting a nonsense romance in there. So there's two problems with this movie. For yeah. Like big problem. For, for one, the romance between him and Catherine Zeta Jones does not work. Does not work. It's my least favorite thing about the movie yes. by far. It's every time they cut to it. I, it's just wasting fucking time. Don't understand what her character is doing. No, I, Don't understand I, her motivation. No, Don't no, no. Yeah. None of it. None the of affair it. with the, the married guy or whatever. And I know like, it's not going anywhere too. It's like, I, I know where this is going. Just stop right. fucking with me. She's like, oh, I'm actually 39, but I tell everyone I'm 27. It's like, what? Like, this is supposed to be a revelation. I just like, didn't care. I didn't like the character. I just, I did. I actually like Tom Hanks' character in this. I don't yeah. give a f- flying fuck about her. Right. I'm just like, go go back to your airport security buddies. Just right. play. I, 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 yeah, give me more of that. I don't give a shit. Totally. But paint a room. I love when you're just acting like a fucking buffoon and dancing and painting a room. Yeah. You, and getting a job for, I have no idea why he gets that job, but like, fine. Right. <laughs> but he's good at what he does. He builds like fountains or whatever. You wouldn't just give him a job <laughs> on the spot like that. <laughs> but <laughs> he builds that entire shrine to like, 
You're working for Bobby over on the other side of the airport. Well, guess what? Now you're working for me. But yeah, I, I understand, Nico. I'm not stupid. Uh, but <laughs> but it's a cozy, lovable little movie. I can't help myself. The romance is really bad. Uh, but I like... Not to be outdone, by the way, by the Diego Luna Zoe Saldana romance. I preferred which, that romance. I mean, makes no sense. Makes no sense. She accepts his, her, his proposal. They've never met. Isn't isn't it implied that she knows she knows who it is? I don't know, but like also like he's learning all these things all these things about her, but like doesn't do anything with the information. He's just being creepy the entire time. What's that about? I think if the movie didn't have that kind of like I don't know, there's like a fairy tale bent to it that that makes didn't make that moment feel so surprising to me. It's not a fucking documentary. No, I know, but, but it, it's you know it is. No, a, but there this is an interesting setup. Is I think maybe that's what bothers me. Like it's not like I think Spielberg sees a script like this and goes, oh well, how do we Hollywoodify this? Thing? Yeah. Oh god. Like yeah, I think he yeah. reads a script like this and goes, oh fucking boring. Well, let, here's a here's a visual uh, thing with like a handprints on a copier, and we're gonna take the the copied handprints and spread it around the airport because now Tom Hanks has become a folk hero that the workers at Burger King now worship, right? Like he sees this and he goes, yawn. Here's some Spielberg tricks, where a guy <laughs> like Linklater would be like, oh. There's some interesting ideas here about like, you know, uh, uh, immigrant, the immigrant experience and like how a country, you know, treats uh, people that get sort of stuck here and how people get crushed by systems and like and also communities that can build like the the sense of community that people at this airport feel like there's all this cool human stuff that Spielberg has no interest in exploring. Well, I guess he's such a big fucking filmmaker. Oh, yeah, I know. And I know. like I'm I'm, I'm not like. I'm not trying to drag like Spielberg's entire like ethos, you know? Yeah. But I just feel like a movie like this, he's not the right director for. And I guess that just that bothered me. Well, I agree with that. It's it. I, I completely agree. Seeing his name at the ending of this film was very, very weird for me. I do think, though, it, it's this is a hard story to pull off. I, even if Richard, Richard Linklater does it, there's a good chance it's still boring as fuck. Because it's not... Give me the boring version of this movie. I want to be stuck in an airport, don't you? Yeah, but it's not very cinematic. And Who cares? I mean, like... Well, I care. But like a, we I'm, said I'm, before with Apollo 13, it's like a, a story will, will carry uh, your movie. But it's and not... will make it cinematic. Th- that's my problem. It's not really that kind of story. Like, the Apollo 13 story is a cinematic story. Yeah, well, this is not a good story. It's a the, bad story. It's a bad script. That's what I'm th- it's not well written. It's <laughs> not the fault of the story. It's the fault of the screenwriters. It's, it's partially the fault of the story. I think the story's not particularly interesting. I think it's a kind of cool idea. No, dude, it's, I don't know. Apparently that guy, the actual guy was stuck for like 12 years. Yeah. 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 He was stuck in France, I think, at De Gaulle Airport. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I, it's just, it's 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 a weird thing to make a movie about. I don't think it quite works all on its own. I don't think the script's that bad, but uh yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I I see where Spielberg's coming from, where it's like, yeah, but like nothing happens in the story. You gotta you gotta make it, you know, bullshitty, and that's the whole. Yeah, that's the whole movie. It's like taking a real premise and making it the fluffiest thing you could imagine. Right, and it's it's but never what, a straight drama. It's never a straight satire, and it's never a straight comedy. Like in another universe, this is Mallrats, right? Like in another universe, it's just pure hijinks and actual laugh out loud comedy. And, and it's a comedic drama though. Yeah, it is. I don't know, but it's, it's just very, 
Ugh, it's just very sanitized. <laughs> it's a, it's sugary as hell. So sugary. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, yeah, no, though, dude. I know it's not a it's it's not a cinematic story. It's about a guy stuck in the airport. That's not a cinematic idea. It's just not. It's it's a it's a very very purely theatrical thing. You know that has a very obvious stage, and you have to you know blow it up if you want to make it a movie. I understand why Spielberg took the approach that he did. Um, there is a better version of this movie out there. I agree with you there. Uh, and mm-hmm. I yeah, I think if Soderbergh does it, it's a lot better. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a very easy watch, uh, and it and it doesn't bore me at all. It's a film that I I've seen a few times. As, yeah. As a matter of fact, and it's a good cable movie. I watch it, and it it, it, it it you know passes the time very well. And I'm never not entertained by it. If I'm being honest, maybe if I disliked all the characters, it would have been a much different experience. But I kind of like everybody here. I remember them all. That's another thing. It's not it's not full of just a bunch of boring nobodies. You know, I remember the 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 uh, Indian dude who needs to have his carts and Diego Luna, of course. And Got Zoe Saldana. Another character, though. Yeah, was... like, he goes out to runway with a mop. And th- what is that supposed to mean? Like, uh, like, I, I don't know. Like the, the, the whole the climax of the movie is he convinces Hanks to take a later flight. That's the whole thing. For a good reason, though. For a good cause. So, like, he's going to go back to India and face persecution for killing someone or attempting to kill someone? None of this makes sense. The jazz thing, too, makes no sense. Like, (laughs) there's no buildup to it. Mm -hmm. There's an hour and a half. We have no sense that Tom Hanks likes jazz. Like, there's no scene of him playing a piano or listening to records or... means nothing and then at the end like i'm he supposed d- to be moved by that he does listen to <laughs> to the to the to the jazzy stuff when he's painting though doesn't he he likes his jazz Nico. yeah it's just <laughs> it's just so dumb it, you're, it's, you're, you're, you're it's watching, a low point for many people involved i i don't care for it you're, you're watching this as as here's the thing i'm it's disposable i look at this movie and i know what it is it's, say that again. it's candy it's disposable but yeah. it, it but it but it works for a short time, I'm not. It's I, I. I'm not looking at this like it's. I don't know what's a, what's a good a, a, uh, comp for a movie like this. I don't know. I don't know. To to me, it's 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 sort of on par with like the you've got males of of the world. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's it's very it's very 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 watchable. It's entertaining. Um, is it the Spielberg of it all? Is yeah. that entirely what it? Yes. It, well, I, I guess my, what I'm asking is if the exact same movie got made and it was directed by Rob Reiner. Would that bother you? I, I mean, absolutely nothing has changed. It is the the movie you just watched. Oh, oh it's directed by Rob. Just the credit. The, the, yeah. Directed by no, Rob. It Reiner. would still be a shit movie. Yeah. I okay. mean, the script just blows. Okay. It just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the script is silly, but it knows it's a little silly. I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that offensive is the thing. I don't know. It's, yeah. And it's, I, I don't know how much of this was Spielberg's hand in, in terms of the script. Like it's a little too charming. See, I got Now maybe this didn't happen, but I have to imagine that Spielberg got his hands on one of the copies and uh, one of the early drafts and said, Hey guys, like, uh, no romance in here. You know, can, can we find something for Catherine Zeta-Jones to do? You know, yep. I go, wait a minute. I don't think this Tucci character is enough of a dick. Let's uh, can we add some more scenes of him choking out an immigrant? You know, and, <laughs> like and so again, I don't know who exactly to blame, but I know that the final product is what the final product is. And it, it just is all wrong. It's all wrong to me. 
It's definitely one of Spielberg's worst films by 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 default. Yes, I'm not sure I'd call it a bad movie though. I don't know. It's too it's too charming, too delightful. It's too well made. Also, right. uh, I don't think the script's that bad if you know what it is. Um, and there's some great scenes here too. I mean, I love to death the scene where they're saying like, if if you admit that you're afraid to go home, you can stay in the airport. Just the 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 back and forth in that scene, I fucking adore. You know, what's actually a good scene is the the, the goat scene. Where he convinces the, oh, I think mom and goat, or no, but father and goat, same word in Krakosian. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. The medicine is for goat. Um, yeah, whatever. Krakosia. Krakosia. <laughs> Why did movies like this make you so fucking mad? It's just know. not. It's not that kind of movie. Who <laughs> fucking cares, know. man? Who no gives idea. a shit? <laughs> Nico, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> tagline of this podcast <laughs> yeah basically yeah. i wasn't even getting mad enough i'm like it's a movie i really like it it's like all right yeah you hate it whatever listen i hate to wrap up this this uh thanksgiving or by this talking thanksgiving. shit about spielberg yeah and i mean i hate to man like uh it's not not in the thanksgiving spirit but it's that no one get look you, you you put layla to sleep over here i did my cat is 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 our biggest fan she's always hanging around just hanging out in the office here yeah uh all right. It, my my idea actually initially for this podcast, and maybe we'll do it on next year's Thanksgiving, is we cover all of the bad Hanks movies. You know, we, yeah, we we cover all of the bombs, the you know maybe the the third Da Vinci Code movie or the Circle or maybe some of his earlier eighty stuff. Yeah, that's true. I think we've covered one of the worst though already on the other show. That's the thing. I mean, Bonfire of the Vanities I view as like the bad Tom Hanks movie. Right. Right. Yeah, but there are some bad ones, um, and I consider the terminal one of them. But for the most <laughs> part, the guy makes good movies. And uh, which one would you like to induct, Adam Hall? Apollo thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, glad you turned. Uh, yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. Oh, Hanks, Ronnie, we love you. No, oh, yeah. Do we have any Ron Hanks? Ron, Ron, Ron Hanks. Hanks. Ron, yeah, Ron Hanks. Ron Howard films? I think that's the first one, yeah. Maybe the only one we do. What other ones would would we actually get? It's my favorite Ron Howard film, I think, so. I love Cinderella Man. Yeah, yeah, I like Cinderella Man. Uh, Beautiful Mind mm-hmm. is very good. This is probably better than A Beautiful Mind. I, I do know. like it more than A Beautiful Mind. I mean, of course, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The best. Clearly. Is a great one. My favorite movie ever. Yeah. Um, you know. Speaking about my favorite movie. Did you see the in- the, uh, the 13 Lives? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Did you see it? No. No, I saw it. Yeah, it was it was good. Do I need to watch it? Mm, no. I, I, it's it's well done, I guess. I, I, I keep saying, though, if you've seen the documentary, there's it will make your appreciation for the movie much worse. I think if you... If you have not seen the documentary, go ahead and watch it. And you'll probably really like it. But if you have, it will it will make Thirteen Lives much worse. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's fine. It's 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 not bad. It's not bad. But yeah, yeah. There's really no point. Um. So here here's what I would just say. I know you have a lot of movies. We've talked about it off air. Yes. Uh. Let's maybe table the movies that are likely to come up at the end of the year because uh, that is right around the corner, and <clears throat> there are a number of movies. That are squarely in my top ten that I, I will save for a later date. Uh, okay, to talk about or just yeah, just for now, just you know what I'm saying. Do you want me to just list the movies that I have seen? Sure, go ahead. 
Including the ones that we're going to talk about later? You do you, man. I won't talk about the. I'll just I'll just list the movies. Go ahead. Of that I've seen, and some of these are in my top ten. Some of them are not. Most of them are not. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk. We'll 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 get to it. Uh, some of the some of these you, I've already mentioned to you. Uh, some of uh, some of them are new. So, but it's been a while since the listeners have heard. So here we go. Since the last time we spoke, I have seen The Good Nurse, All Quiet on the Western Front, Kimmy, The Lair, The Banshees of Inisherin. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Oh, yeah, we did see Banshees together. Yeah, we did. Oh, mm. my God, yeah. Yeah, very high on my list. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, uh, you watched that, too? <laughs> yeah, I did. Wait, should I watch that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Okay. You know, it's it's a slightly lesser than uh, Walk Hard, but you know, in a similar vein. Right. It's a fun one. Yeah. Um, Terrifier 2. Uh, <laughs> much higher on my list than I expected it to be. Yeah, people love that terrifier. <laughs> it's a jam. Um, Tar, R R R, fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> she said, and Clerks three. I also saw R R R. Also saw Tar. More on those at a later date. Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. Movie called See How They Run. Uh, how was that? I mean, I saw how they ran. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> they they ran. It honestly looked not so great. Ah, my goodness, uh, Wes Anderson, much? Ooh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Y'all ever seen a Wes Anderson movie before? But not a Wes Anderson film. I mean, just worse. Ooh, that's it's fine. Good. It's whatever. It's fine. All right, it's yeah. it's okay. It's okay. I mean, there's like. 10 pseudo Agatha Christie movies now a year. Yeah. There's another Knives Out coming out and I I have a hard time believing that any of the movies that came out this year whether it be uh See How They Run or um or uh Death on the Nile or are going to come close to Knives Out sure. um, in quality. But yeah, I mean it's fine. It's whatever. It, it is uh literally uh about Agatha Christie stories. It's another meta kind of uh similar to knives out like it, it it's very meta in how it unravels its mystery okay agatha christie is featured as a character in the wow movie. okay yes and it, it, the play that is at the center of the mystery is an agatha christie play so um it's a agatha christie mystery that is commenting on agatha christie mysteries throughout the whole thing it's what fine saoirse ronan very good might might make my short list at the uh at the anti-Oscars this okay. year. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then uh, a movie by the name of Amsterdam. Oh, you saw it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've, I've been avoiding this thing. Oh, God. So it's kind of like... If the biggest stars in Hollywood did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> okay. Like, it's they're kind of just... It feels like they're making it up as they go along. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, including the director. You know? Russell just doesn't know where to put the camera at any moment. <laughs> and it kind of just roaming around. And uh, the dialogue feels improvised. Um and it's crazy because, like, I had forgotten about the trailer and all of the famous people in the trailer. Yeah. And they just keep coming. It, it's not a good movie. And you're watching it. <laughs> I mean, it's watchable, I guess. Like, it's whatever. It's a good rental. It's a rainy day movie. But, like, you know, you're just watching this movie that doesn't work on any fundamental level. <laughs> okay. And then you keep watching 
great actors pop up and I'm like, what are you doing? Like Anya Taylor-Joy pops up like a half hour in and it's like, yeah. what are you doing here? And then Remy Malek comes in and is like, what are you doing here? And then, oh my God, De Niro's in this? No, go away, stop. Oh no. Michael Shannon's in this? What are you doing? That David O. Russell has some pulp. They keep popping up. All these famous people get, I'm like, save yourselves. No, leave, turn around, run away. So what are your feelings on David O. Russell at this point? Um, I, you know... <sighs> Like, I even like Joy, man. I defended Joy. <laughs> Everybody hated Joy when it came out. I think that's like a pretty fun yeah, rom-com. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Oh, no, man. Amsterdam. Not good. Wow. No bueno. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to skip it. I think, and I think I still will. I don't know. I don't I'm going to say it's been a pretty good movie here, though, to be honest with you. Sure, sure. How many movies have you seen? Oh, at least 60. Yeah? Yeah. You're up to 60 at this point? I think something like that, yeah. I am at 60, exactly. Uh, So that is coming at the end of the year. Uh, So be on the lookout for our top 10 podcast. That's always a fun time. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I love you all so very, very much. Here's a little sound effect for you. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back in two weeks uh, with kind of an esoteric idea. I'm not looking forward to this one. Why? I'm just not looking forward to it. Quentin Tarantino put out a book called Cinema Speculation. I I, I, I went into Barnes & Noble, picked up a copy, read a page, didn't like it. <laughs> I was also at Barnes & Noble, and I also picked up a copy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, this this is this is horse shit. I put it down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Quentin. So QT uh, wrote a book, yeah, and uh, it's just you know him kind of waxing poetic about the movies that he watched as a child. And I thought it might be a fun idea to pick five of those movies, nominate them for induction into the movie hall of fame, and then talk about QT's writing style, which would be fine if we were talking about the movies. We will talk about the movies. Yeah, but we're also talking about the book. I have yeah. to do homework. I have to read. Yeah, well, you have to read. I have to read that's a little a, bit. You know, you, that's, a, you that's challenging. To, you have to break your uh, your reading fast. I don't know how to read. Your Nico. lifelong reading I don't. Fast. I don't <laughs> I've never read a single word in my life. Right, so this you is, have to go back to that. <laughs> so I, I apologize. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't care about what Tarantino has to say about movies. I do. I I don't care. I don't like his takes. Man, everyone's so annoyed with him. Everyone's always annoyed with the guy. I can't get over his feelings on fucking digital versus film. It's it's infuriating. Cinema speculation. Coming next week to the Movie Hall of Fame. Or two weeks from now. Until then, enjoy your holiday. Anything else, Adam Hall? No. All right. (laughs) Nothing like a good no. 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 Got nothing. Until next time. Are you boys in the space program too? (laughs) 